I enjoyed uh, reading John chapter 1. I just got to the first three words, really, in the beginning. <laughs> in the beginning was God. And that's good to know, isn't it? In the beginning was God. And because God was, you were too. Isn't that wonderful? Because you were in him, found in him. Um, and today, what I want to talk about is, if you want a title for this, I want to call it Finding the Real You. Um, but before I actually really get to the meat of it, or this may be the meat of it, before I get to the more meat of it, if you want. But anyway, um, before I get there, I just want to talk about our genesis. So like we said, in the beginning, God. And because God was in the beginning, you were in the beginning with him. And your genesis is in him. That's your real identity. So that's where we are found. We are established in him. We are called in him. We're loved in him. I mean, you remember the little verse in um, Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Of course, he's talking to Jeremiah, um, and Jeremiah was a prophet, but nonetheless, this verse is for you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So before ever you got inside your mother's womb, you were in the womb of God, and God knew you then. Uh, before you were born, I set you apart. Isn't it wonderful that? It's fantastic. So, so in the midst of everything that's going on, we have to remember who we really are, who you really are. Um, loved, precious, and carrying something very special from God. That is who you are. Um, and of course, that's the place that we really should live in and out of that place. But what we find oftentimes is that we don't, we don't experience living in that place. I know a couple of times when it's been very, very traumatic for me, I have literally curled up in bed when I've been to other, other countries and things have been going on that I didn't understand. I, I, I literally crawled into bed and put myself like in that fetal position and prayed. And when, Father, before any of this, I was in you. And I'm in you no matter what's going on. Um, so, of course, our issues are usually hooked into the fact that we are human. Um, and because we're human, we can choose and determine what we ourselves want and desire to do. Um, his love, though, and his grace and his mercy is constant towards you, never ending, always flowing in your direction, in your direction today, right now, flowing towards you, flowing towards me. So that's, that's where we live all the time. But because we're human, we find ourselves sometimes struggling with what is going on around us. And I, the, what I want to share is that I, I woke up a couple of weeks ago thinking about these words, dislocated, dis disjointed, disquieted, depressed, disturbed, disconnected, dead. I, I woke up thinking about those words, and it was early in the morning, um, and it really caused me to, I actually got up and started praying about it, and then God began to speak to me. Um, 
And I wanted to share that with you this morning uh, because I think that these are kind of feelings that we all might have or have had at one point or another during this time. Uh, so let me say it again, dislocated, disjointed, disquieted, depressed, disturbed, disconnected, and that sense of deadness, numbness. Um, so, Luke 22, I think you all know it by now, Luke 22 is all about, it's about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and what happens after that moment. And of course, we know that Gethsemane is a picture of the press. That's what it means, the place of pressing Gethsemane. Jesus went through the greatest and most intense pressing ever experienced by any human on the face of the earth. And when he entered into Gethsemane, of course, he'd already been pressed up to that point. But when he entered into Gethsemane, he was about to enter into the greatest press ever experienced on earth by anybody. Uh, because you can imagine that not only was the human situation around him, all the uh, uh, political things going on, the religious things going on, uh, everything, this, this was the centre of all the things in history that were, had taken place and were going to take place. This was central. And Jesus was right in the middle of it all. So um, what we also realise is that for those who followed him, uh, they had to go through the garden with him. Those who followed him went through the garden with him. But of course we realise that they didn't go through it in the same way that Jesus went through it. But they did go through it. And I believe that we have been going through a press, and it's what I called the vortex. And you'll remember that right at the beginning we call this thing the vortex. It was like a, a moving thing that was pressing us. Uh, and as it moved towards the future, we were being pressed in it like a funnel. We'd found ourselves at the top of it quite wide. And as we went through the press, as it's moving, it was like accelerating. And I think I said something like five months into five years. Well, of course, uh, as I said uh, Nigel in the car, uh, my timing is sometimes out. I don't always get the timing right, but I'm, I tell you what, there's no doubt that what we have been going through is a press, it's a vortex. And there's an acceleration in, in, in the, the likes of which we have never seen before, and we've ne we have never experienced it. My generation have not experienced it. Perhaps there are others, you know, the wars that went on, Perhaps people experienced it during those times, but this is entirely new for us, and it's global. Um, so it's the biggest press that we've have ever gone through. And of course, going back to Jesus, Jesus said the spirit's willing, the flesh is weak. And this press that he was going through, they were going through it as well. Um, a deceit, a betrayal, a darkness that was beyond their comprehension a coming together of things that took them by surprise. It happened so quickly uh, that it was incredibly confusing for them. Can you imagine what it was like for them as they were walking with Jesus and 
and there's healings and miracles and there's beautiful things going on. Everywhere that Jesus is going, this, there's this fabulous environment. There's an atmosphere that is absolutely wonderful. So everywhere Jesus is going and they're excited, they're anticipating something new. And of course, we know that what they were anticipating was a, a new kingdom. That's what they were anticipating. They were anticipating that they were going to take over Jerusalem and that everything was going to be, become, it was going to be like a, a new world for them. So they were anticipating all of those things. And then suddenly they enter Gethsemane, this press, this, this vortex for them. Um, and it's, you see, what happens with us is there's a lot of things that go on inside us because what is happening is it's spiritual. Even though there's practical, lots of practical things going on around us, what is actually happening inside us is that this is spiritual. It's a spiritual thing. It's just very hard to comprehend the reality of what is actually going on. So, so they found themselves in different places of belief or disbelief. Um, and of course, we all respond to trauma, to challenge, to difficult moments in different ways. We all respond in different ways. And what I want to do is try and help us, help you to see how you might be responding and how to deal with those responses and find a place of rest. Um, and also not only rest, but to begin to move forward and out of this. But let's just have a look at some of these responses that the disciples uh, went through. I think you'll find this really interesting, if nothing else. But for those that really want something, you might be able to recognize yourself in these things. So sleeping. First of all, when we get into Gethsemane, it's, there's such a darkness, such a heaviness, such an oppression that they find themselves sleeping. Um, and this is what it says, when he arose from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. This is Luke 22 and verse 45 to 46. And, and like I've been saying a little bit, when the bed's comfy and the duvet's warm and our surroundings and environment are lovely, we want to enjoy those moments of comfort the moments of pleasure and luxury, as long as we can. Of course, that's natural. Um, but the trouble is, if you stay there, it, has this, it makes you lethargic. It makes you feel a little bit lazy, lethargic, drowsy. Maybe some of us have felt like we're under the duvet and there's stuff going on, but we really are not quite sure that we want to wake up yet. Uh, because this feeling's a nice feeling under here, and I don't want anything to be changed should I wake up. Maybe if I just carry on sleeping, it's, it's gonna ch it'll just end, and I'll wake up from this nightmare. Um, so, you know, we, we, want it to, we want the sun to be shining, the birds to be singing, which they were, in fact, this morning when I was walking around at some unearthly hour uh, up by the airport there. Um, yeah, we want, we want that. We want everything to be all right. And actually, I don't know if you realise this, but just at the moment, there's quite a lot of protests going on across the country. Of course, mainstream media won't tell you about any of these things, but there's quite a lot of protests going along in different parts of the country right now. One in, in particular in Liverpool. This was very interesting. I, I, I happened to listen to this protest. There were thousands of people in Liverpool protesting to various things, but mostly the lockdown, I think. But as they're going, they're singing this song, 
please don't worry, everything's going to be all right. The Bob Marley song. Thousands of people, and I felt like the Lord said to me, Paul, do you hear my voice? Please don't worry. Please don't worry. Everything's going to be... I can't, I can't remember it now, but it's, it's, you know which one it is. But it was, it was beautiful, and I felt like the Lord said, that's, that's my voice. Listen to my voice singing in the streets. Um, but of course, when, when we've been sleeping, we, we know Ephesians 5 verse 14 says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Um, and that's what we're praying. We're praying that we might wake up and get the light of Christ into our hearts, into our minds, behind our eyes so that we begin to see the way that Jesus actually sees. That's really important because when Jesus sees and when he hears, it's different to the way that we see and hear. So, so we, we need to wake up now uh, and begin to see what's going on, but with the eyes and ears of Jesus. Um, and of course, Jesus said that we were, he didn't want us to enter into temptation, which is a strange thing. It said they were sleeping from sorrow. And he said, but pray lest you enter into temptation. Well, the temptation is that we self-indulge, that we just get self-indulgent. When we get hit with sorrow and heaviness, we just, we just get into ourselves. Um, and he's going, I don't, want, I don't want you to get self-indulgent. I don't want you to enter temptations that, that cause you to comfort yourself all the time because that's what happens as well, of course. We want to comfort ourselves. But Jesus is walking with us, and he is our comforter. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. But then we've got this, statements of good intent. Now, just before, I believe it was just before they went into Gethsemane, this is what Simon Peter said. Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Wow, what a statement. Huh? I'm ready, Lord, to go to prison, and I'm ready to go to death with you. Okay. Well, as soon as you enter into a press like this, as soon as you enter into a vortex that is pressing you externally and causing what is inside you to come up out of you, you actually find out what statements, what things you were saying are real and what's unreal. There's many things that we say, especially Christians, we say lots of biblical things. And of course, we're meant to say biblical things. We're meant to speak biblical truth. But a lot of the time, the, the truth that we speak, the things that we say, don't actually, they're not actually the reality that we live. And of course, Simon Peter, he went, I'm ready to go to prison. Oh, really? Uh, well, we'll see that when we go through the press. Simon really did think that he'd stand by Jesus the whole time. He really did believe that. But what he thought, what he said was about to be tested, and, and he was going to find out truth about himself. Nothing is to make you feel condemned. Nothing is to make you feel upset. It's so that you can see who you really are. So it's one thing speaking, the other is living what we're speaking. And it took him a long time to get over this particular uh, series of events. Uh, and we'll look how he overcame that moment after I've gone through some of these responses. Uh, Simon Peter was neither ready for prison or death. 
And when the pressure came, he opted out of both. He's going, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not going anywhere close to that. Um, of course, both are very frightening, especially if you've never experienced such things before. And believe me, uh, as someone who knows, it is frightening. It's frightening. If you don't know what it's like being detained or you don't know what it's like uh, spending time behind bars, it's frightening. It's not a nice place to be. Um, but anyway, let's have a look at another one. This is an interesting one. And this is where we're going. And I'm, I, I am praying greatly about this right now. But let me read from Luke 22 and verse 49. This is what one of the disciples to Jesus said. So we've had sleeping, we've had strong statements, and now we're taking up arms. Listen. Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, permit even this, and he touched his ear and healed him. What happened? Well, of course, I suppose when fear gets a hold of you and anger joins with that fear, anger and frustration and fear, it builds internally and it comes out in a massive show of aggression. And of course, that is what was happening. So this press was causing something internally to come out of some of the disciples that they didn't even know lived in there. But now... One of the disciples, now can you imagine? So they've been watching Jesus heal the sick. They've been hearing him say, your sins are forgiven. They've, they've heard all things about deliverance. They know all these things. They know they're meant to be praying for the kingdom to come. But in this situation right now, fear, confusion, the press of it all, gets a hold of one of the disciples. He takes his sword and cuts the ear. That's taking up our arms. And of course, what we're seeing now and what we will see and what we must all pray is that when protests increase and riots increase, because they will do, I'm sorry, I don't want to tell you, but they will. When they do, and they won't just happen here, they'll happen all through the world. That's because it's bigger than COVID-19, okay? It's much bigger than a lockdown. Something else is going on. But... When these things happen, we need to pray that they are peaceful, peaceful protests. And that song, Bob Marley song, I keep hearing it again and again. But we need to pray for peaceful protests because they will certainly happen. Because what is happening inside people is that they are being pressed right now. And some of those responses, and you may have felt some of those responses yourself, have you felt those responses? Have you been frustrated? Have you been angry a little bit? Has, has something happened inside you? I certainly have felt all of those responses inside me. And of course, so they took up arms. I mean, what are they doing in all the world? He's got a sword and he lops off this guy's ear. And of course, that's the other thing that we've looked at before. And that, of course, is the words that we speak are like swords. And sometimes those words can cut off the ears to those who are hearing. So we have to be very careful with our words because they can be, they can be, um, they can cause injury. And Jesus wants us to hear. And he, he healed this guy. So, 
When we are surrounded by something we don't understand and cannot fully comprehend, it terrorises us and we respond in such ways as this. It doesn't say that it was James and John, the sons of thunder, you remember the sons of thunder. It doesn't say it was them. But I have a little inkling that those guys might have been carrying swords right now. They were the guys that, when they went through the village and, and the people didn't receive Jesus, they're the guys that called down fire on that village. You remember that? And Jesus said, hey, boys, no, 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 no. No, no, that's not the spirit of God. We're not calling for fire. We don't want anyone to perish. We don't, we don't want people to die. No, we don't. I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. I came so that no one would perish. That was the word of Jesus and that's the spirit of God. So, of course, if we feel these things, we have to deal with them. Otherwise, we get caught out with them. So, let's move on a little bit. Mourning and lamenting. So, Luke 22, verse 28 to 31. Uh, and these are all round Gethsemane. It says there, but Jesus turning to the ladies, so that now there's some ladies following him. He turns to them and he says, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren wombs that never bore and breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? Wow. Well, of course, what Jesus is talking about here happened seven, 70 years later. It actually was fulfilled 70 years later. Uh, and there's quite a lot of people who believe that the outcome that we're going towards now is this outcome. But we're not believing for that because we're believing that the kingdom of heaven comes to the earth. We're believing that the will of God might be done on the earth. And as far as I'm concerned, we haven't seen the church in maturity yet, which is what I talked about last week. The Christ who is in you, the spirit of God in you, is causing you to grow up from immaturity to maturity. That's what he's causing. So we, the Christ, it's, so this Christmas you can think, okay, Jesus, we're going to celebrate him. We celebrate him every day. So no matter what anybody tries, it don't really matter. Because Jesus, we celebrate him every day. And we celebrate him because he lives inside us. But Jesus living inside us is going to grow and grow and grow and grow. And the devil never thought about this. He made such a big mistake. Because the devil, like everybody else, went to church, is finished. It's rubbish. It's religious. It's gone. No, I want to tell you, the church is not finished. The church is just beginning to awaken for this time. That is what is happening right now. And the devil needs, rightly, to be terrified. Which he is. But that's also made him enraged. So, anyway, the ladies were mourning and lamenting. Um, and, of course, we've been learning how to lament. And, of course, there is a global lament right now taking place. I don't know if you see that, but it's global. This is not just, this is not just our country. You understand me? When we think about these lockdowns, we think about us. Stop thinking about that. This is all over the world. There are people in lockdown all over the world that are dying in the thousands because of these things. So there's mourning and there's lamenting going all over the world. Um, and we're learning. Jesus' response to this was, don't cry for me. 
cry actually for you. And why did Jesus say this? He said, weep for yourselves and for your children. Because Jesus knew that everything could have been different. He knew it. Do you remember? He looked down on Jerusalem and he wept over Jerusalem. And he said this. He says, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace. What is it that makes for your peace? Jesus makes for your peace. Jesus makes for my peace. Jesus has made peace for the whole world. The angels came and went, goodwill, peace to all men. Jesus makes peace today. But Jesus said, if you'd have known, especially in this day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave one stone upon another, listen, because you did not recognise the day of your visitation. Okay, well, Jesus is visiting right now, today. He is here. He's here today. He's here tomorrow. He's here every day after it because this is his day. It's the day of his grace and he is here. So this is the day of his visitation and we have to recognize it and we have to begin to pray the kingdom into the earth like we've never prayed it before. Because Jesus is not giving up on what Jesus said. Restoration, restoration. All things are going to be restored. It all depends on how long it'll take, all right? But you have a big part to play. But lamenting, of course, and mourning is something that we all need to learn to do. Because you will find that you're not only mourning and lamenting for yourself, you're mourning and lamenting for many people around the globe. And this is important. It's really important. So, anyway, let's go on. Another response. Um, then... Mark 14 and verse 50, it says, Then they all forsook him and fled. So, uh, to forsake is the action of quitting. It means to quit, to leave entirely, to abandon, to desert, to give up or to renounce. Wow. Now, of course, when we come in times of press, this is sometimes what happens to us as well. We want, we want to give up. We want to quit. It's too hard. It's too difficult. I don't want to go through this. And, and really, this is this, this thing that we, called, we call fight or flight. Um, and I've experienced this many, many times in my life as well, really. Big time. Um, I, one or two times in Nepal, I cannot even begin to tell you what it actually felt like. Of course, we've got some great, we've got some great stories about these things. But at the time, it was absolutely traumatic to me. But the Spirit of God is good. Um, but I want to share one, and uh, Nigel so kindly brought me down this morning, and he is here this morning with us. Um, but, uh, and I don't think he remembers this because I was sharing it with him. But a little while ago, well, I don't know how long ago it was. Everything's a little while ago to me. But anyway, we were in a police car, and we were, uh, we'd got a call to go to uh, a, an accident or an incident. We didn't know what it was, uh, but we found ourselves going very fast. And I, uh, for, for, for Heather's sake, I'm not going to say how fast it was. But put it this way, I have never 
been as fast as that in my life. And whilst we were going fast towards some place that I didn't know what we were going to find, I didn't know what was happening, I didn't know anything about it, and I knew we're going to be the first on the scene. At that point, something happened with me. Because we're going this way, and I wanted to go that way. I so wanted to go the other way, but of course, we're going this way. Everything in me wanted to go that way. I wanted to flee. And I realised that these two tensions inside me were huge. They were enormous. And of course, eventually, Nigel would have seen it, and I probably smiled and went, whoopee, whoopee. But inside, I was going, this is crazy. What am I doing right now? Now, of course, that, that is the kind of response that we have inside us when we come to moments that are difficult like this. There's part of us that goes, you know, the, the part of us that goes, it's okay, God's got me, he's with me, he loves me. Of course, we know that. And that's got to rise up inside us more and more. But of course, there's this other part of us, this human part of us, that goes, flipping heck, get me out of here. I want to go the other way. So, so we have to recognise these responses in us are proper responses. And this is what happens when we have some of these responses. Mark 14, verse 51 to 52, it says, Now a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body. And the young men laid hold of him, and he left the linen cloth and fred, fled from them naked. So this is someone fleeing. And... I mean, there's, there's questions, isn't there, about this? I don't, I don't get this verse. We've looked at it before. But, but basically, he's got something wrapped around him, a linen cloth wrapped around him. But at this point, when the pressure becomes too much, when something happens that gets a hold of him that is too great, too much, what happens? The external clothing that he's got on, he loses it. And now he's naked. Well, that's what we feel like often in these times of pressure. We feel as though we're naked. And, 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 and sadly, this is true as well, that many people around us see us as we really are. Sometimes we don't see ourselves as we really are, but they see us. So, of course, that means that when we're dealing with one another and looking at one another, we have to be very, very watchful and very uh, loving and kind to one another to make sure that we're not exposing people in this way, that they're not going through difficult things and we've just let them, we've left them exposed. But of course, this young man, we think he's a young man called John Mark, it showed what was underneath him. It showed what was really going on inside him. He was exposed, he was naked. And these, all of these different responses that we have show us something about ourselves. The naked, bare truth. We see it. So, what had been happening up to this point? Well, the flow and momentum of, 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 of things in the world was getting stronger and stronger at this point. So, um, you know, it had been whipped up by the Senate, the politicians, the religious people. They'd whipped up something was going on. There was a flow, there was a momentum around them that was getting stronger and stronger. And life had been flowing in wonderful ways up to this point. Everything was beautiful. Everything was great. 
But then suddenly they went through Gethsemane and everything seems to change. They get pressed and as they come out of Gethsemane, it's like they went from morning to night and and are wondering what the heck just happened. Um, And of course, Jesus made it clear to his disciples when he was feeding the the thousands with bread. You remember this? He said, he said, watch out for the leaven. Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. That's interesting, isn't it? So Jesus is creating new bread. He's creating life everywhere. And then suddenly he says, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. And you go, okay, who's the Pharisees? Well, the Pharisees are the religious um, right wing, the religion, the very very staunch in the beliefs. And of course, Herod is symbolic of uh, the politicians. And Jesus goes, now watch out, be careful. That the politicians, that, that the lies, the deceit, the false testimony, the legalism, watch out that the batch of life that you have does not get destroyed by the leaven of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the politicians. Be careful. Wow. There is a little question, isn't there? Is it possible that the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod has got into our loaf? Has it got into our loaf? I don't know. You have to use your loaf. You have to use your heart as well. So this is what's happening in Jerusalem. The religious fraternity is against him. The politi- so this, can you imagine? You've, you've just come through Gethsemane and now you've got all the religious fraternity that's against them. The p- political parties don't like them. The temple guard, the Roman soldiers are aligned against them and are keeping them in check. All the official outlets were not aligned with them at all. Nothing was going their way. Everything was going the other way. False testimony, false witness, testimony that did not agree, and betrayal with a kiss. In other words, betrayal disguised as though it were an expression of love. Let me say it again. Betrayal disguised as though it were an expression of love. Which, by the way, has been used in abundance in these days. I don't want to say too much about it, but it's been used in abundance in these days all over this country. The majority of people everywhere were non-believing, sceptical, fearful, very fearful, strongly opinionated, moved by politics and religion. And they were now moving closer and closer into what? To binding life and trying to put out the light. You understand me, in all these things that go on, there is someone and something working to dampen the life, the joy, the love, the things that God has given to us. It's, it's there to dampen it. We mustn't be naive about these things. We have to be afraid about it, but we must stop being naive about it. And this small minority of people, and can I just say as well, it's not so small. The minority of people is not so small as you might think it is because not only are people, because this is what is really happening right now, people who were born again 
are beginning to find themselves that something's happening on the inside of them that is automatic. It's like they don't even know what's going on themselves, but something is going on inside them because the Christ child is growing up inside of them. All of himself, something's happening. As well as that, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is being revealed, which means that some people... Some people, like people I have met who love justice, they love righteousness, they love seeking truth. I have met, not thousands, but I've met many, many people through the years who were not Christians, but who were seeking truth, who wanted integrity, who wanted righteousness, who wanted justice. I have met many people like that. I've sat and talked with them. They were not Christians, but I'm telling you, the knowledge of the glory of God was already working inside of them. And they were already seeking God, even though they didn't even realise that. And their actions were causing them, like Cornelius, to move closer and closer to the revelation of life. This is a beautiful thing for us. So there's many people right now, and this is what the enemy did not realise. There are many people who are not only growing up, but there's many, many people who are looking and going, what the heck is going on? What is happening? And now they're coming into new places, new positions, new, new moments, new callings. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful time right now. But, of course, if we go back to where we were with Jesus, some of them were asleep, slowly awaking. Some were making strong, strong statements of good intent. Most of them were confused. Some were naked. Some were running away. All of them were in denial. Soon to be isolated, separated, divided and hiding in fear behind locked and closed doors. That's what was going to happen. Wow. A few would manage to walk with him. Most of the way. A very few people. There's very few people that actually walked with Jesus all the way. Very few. Others had stayed as close as they could for what seemed as long as they could. Most had run away. Some had returned to familiar ground. But what was happening? They were finding themselves. Finding out where they really were. They were trying to recalibrate. They were trying to re-establish and desiring to renew. You see, because we use these words, recalibrate, re Calibrate, renew, restore, re-establish. We use all these words. But the reality of these words that we're using is that they have to become what is real to us. Recalibrating means that you find yourself again and you begin to tune yourself up. That's what it really means. That's, that's what happens as we come through this time. It's interesting as well that conspiracies... Um, I, I aren't a conspiracy theorist at all, never have been. But I think I said early on that it'll be sad if some of the conspiracy theories work out to be true. And I'm telling you, we're going that way. There's an awful lot of things that are going to be shocking to people, absolutely shocking. Mark my, my words. So anyway, all sorts of stories were going around, conspiracies, there were uh, the resurrection of Jesus uh, to thousands of people was actually a conspiracy. And his sightings were not believed by lots of people. Uh, there were all sorts of false testimony coming forth. And, and even before he, 
even before he rose, that was true as well. This is what it says in Mark 14, 55 to 61. It says, now the chief priests and all the council sought testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimonies did not agree. Then some rose up and bore false witness against him, saying, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. And not even their testimony did agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But he kept silent and answered nothing. So that's Mark 14. But you see this false testimony, false witness. And then in, in Matthew 28, verse 11 to 14, it says this. This is after Jesus rose from the dead. It says, now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, listen, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, tell them, his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. I want to tell you, dirty deals have been done all over. I'm telling you now, there's dirty deals that have been done all over that are going to shock people, big time. And these things, I was saying, I was saying to Nigel in the car that sometimes when, when I've been preaching in various places, I see, I see rats running over the floor. I mean, I actually see them running for cover over the floor. And... Uh, and as I've thought about the time that we are in now, I've not only saw rats, but I saw sewage rising up. And I saw rats living in sewage, running to try and escape what was coming. Because there's something coming that is like we've never seen before. And there is something coming, even this month, next month. I'm sure, and you know me, I don't have a good... A good uh, I, Sometimes my timing's out. But believe me, this stuff's going to happen and we're going to see it. So anyway, the body of Jesus was pierced, beaten, whipped, treated terribly, hurt, slapped, bruised, stripped, crucified. That's what we can say about the body of Jesus, can't we? Dislocated, disjointed, disquieted, depressed, disturbed, disconnected a little bit. That's how his body felt. That's how we've been feeling, I'm sure. Um... But as you have gone through this, what have you been doing with all of these things you're experiencing? All the things you're seeing, hearing, believing. What effect are they having within you? What is coming out of you? And you remember this, I've said this. There's a little, there's a little thing that I've had for a few weeks. It's called the nowhere between two somewheres. We're right at the nowhere between two somewheres. So we've been somewhere, we're nowhere, and there's somewhere else we're going. But presently, we're in the nowhere between two somewheres. In this place, there's a sense of deadness. But of course, what we've been doing is we've been, as, we, as we're shedding the deadness, we've been learning to live in new ways, in new expressions. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? That's what we've all been doing. We've been learning to live in new ways. And that's an, an, an expressing that new life, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, but in reality... You can only move when you've properly dealt with the numbness, the confusion, the anger, the upset, and the grief 
that you have felt deep down, which is why we've been going through all these things. It's why we, we mourn and lament. It's why we write these things down. It's why we journal. And I want, to ex- I want to just encourage you to do it more and more and more because we've got to come out the other side of this, uh, not only with new life, but let it be clothed in power of this new life as well. But Simon Peter's struggle, okay, I'm getting to the end. You're doing so well. Um, Simon Peter's struggle. Simon Peter was struggling even after Jesus appeared and spoke with all of them. He had seen and experienced a deep denial of himself. That's what he'd done. You see, when he denied Jesus, he was denying himself. Everything that he had thought he was and could do and be, he wasn't. He was hurting. He was deeply ashamed, feeling guilty, sensing his failure. Even though Jesus had spoken and recommissioned. So Jesus had already done this. He'd spoken to them all. He'd spoken peace to them. He'd said, receive the Holy Spirit. He'd recommissioned them. And all, 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 all the disciples were there. But Simon Peter was still hurting. So he went fishing. He went fishing, you remember it? But of course you can go fishing. But Simon Peter was called before the world was ever created. Do you understand me? Simon Peter was called before all of that. His identity was before all of this. His, his job, even though he got back in his fishing boat, was not a fishing boat. It was something else because he had something inside him that God had put down from before the foundation of the world. And three times, you remember this, he denied Jesus. Three times. Now, he was out fishing with some of the other disciples. We won't do it all. You can look at it yourself. But in John 21 and verse 7, this is what he said. Now, when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, you remember they were out in the boat and this, the, the, who's that on the shore? He says, when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. Now, I looked at this again. Outer garment seems strange to me. If I were going swimming, so if I'd have been in that boat and I'm going swimming... The last thing I'd have done is put my jacket back on. Isn't it? The last thing that I'd have done is put the outer garment back on and then swim. If I were going swimming, I'd take my outer garment off and just jumped in. But he says he put his outer garment on. You know what hit me? Something hit me as I read that. I thought to myself, you know, Peter did this before. Jesus said to him, Simon Peter, come, walk to me on the water. You know what? I think for the split moment, Simon Peter went, it's Jesus. I think the desire in him was so strong. He put his jacket on and went, I'm going to walk over that water to him. I do, honestly. I think he was going to walk over the water because maybe he was going to run over the water. You know, if that had been me, if it had been you, you'd have just gone and you'd have walked on the water before. I'm pretty sure that you'd have gone, it's Jesus, Jesus. I'm going to run to you, Jesus. And just... Whew. But the problem was, 
that when he got over the edge of the boat, he plunged into the sea. And I, I began, whether, whether I'm right or not, just humour me. Because the inner pain, the pictures that he was carrying were too heavy. The memories were too laden in pain. The thoughts were too burdened with grief. Do you understand me? He wanted to run. I believe that he really did. I believe that the desire in his heart was, I want to run to Jesus. I want to throw my arms around him. There's so much I want to do. But actually, inside, he was carrying too much luggage. It was too heavy. And although he put the outer garment on and was ready, he couldn't actually make it. And he began to sink. We know that he got to the other side. We know that he got there. And then this is what what he says. It's really interesting. Three times, Jesus, uh, Simon Peter denied Jesus. Jesus knew that Peter was having these pictures replayed again. Do you understand me? That's the only pictures that he could think of. He couldn't think of anything else. These pictures kept going through his mind again and again and again, all the time. And Jesus knew when he saw Simon Peter that those pictures were in his mind. And he knows the pictures that you have going through your mind. He knows the thoughts that you have in your mind. He knows the emotions that you carry on the inside. He knows all about it. He knows it when he looks at you. And he knew it when he looked at Simon Peter. And he knew three times Simon Peter denied me. What did Jesus do? Three times he spoke to Simon Peter. Because he wanted to take away his pain. But before we do that, just remind you of this, what it says in Isaiah 53 and verse 4 and 5. He says, surely he, Jesus, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, for your iniquities. The chastisement for our peace, for my peace, was upon him, for your peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So, Jesus edited the picture that was playing in Simon Peter's mind. And and, and I want you to remember this. Before you were there, Jesus was there. Wherever you have been, Jesus already was there. Because Jesus, the Father, the Holy Ghost, were already there before you got there. They've already been to that place because they're God. And they were already there. So that place of pain, that place of grief, they've already been there before you ever got there. Not only have they already been there, but when they got there, Jesus went, this is painful for my son. This is painful for my daughter. This is painful for my kids. So I tell you what I'm going to do, Father. I'm going to take the pain and I'm going to take the grief out of the picture that I can see that is in the future for my kids. I'm going to go there first, then I'm going to take the pain, then when I've taken the pain, I'm going to give them the solution, I'm going to give them a peace, I'm going to give them the healing, I'm going to give them what they need, 
So, of course, the Father, God, the Holy Spirit and Jesus went there before you were ever there. They were in your picture before you were ever there. You got into that picture, and yes, for whatever reason, that picture happened. But Jesus was already there. And Jesus already dealt with the pain and the shame of it, and he already took the pain out of it. And then he said, you can have the healing, you can have the peace, you can have anything that you need, but... What do you have to do? You have to bring him into that picture. Bring him into your memories. Bring him into your thoughts. You understand me? We thought it's just going to happen by default. No, it's not going to happen by default. The things that pain you, the grief that is in you, you have to bring it to him so he can get into it. He's already been there. But he wants you to bring him into it. When you bring him into it, then he comes with a healing. Then he comes with a peace, but you've got to bring him into it. Believe me, this works. I know numbers of people who are watching this right now who know the truth of this, that it has transformed their lives. I had an email this week, just this week, saying that the person had done this very thing and just found incredible release. You see, Jesus went, okay, I'm going to edit this picture. He said three times, you denied me, Simon Peter. Three times, I'm going to bring love myself into that picture. Do you love me more than these? Three times he asked it. And, and Simon Peter said, Lord, you know that I do. You know that I do. You know that I do. What did Jesus just do? He just went straight into his old picture and put himself into that picture. He put love in the picture and he went, now this, Simon Peter, is what's going to get you free so you can get into your future. That's what he just did. Isn't it beautiful? That is exactly what Jesus did. And that's what we can do as well. This happens. This happens when you do it. Jesus has already done it, but you've got to work out that salvation within you. So there we go. I hope that that's been helpful. I know it's been a little bit long, but it was worth it certainly worth it for me and thank you so much i know there's some people watching in norway as well including shasti um and Turia and Mari. shout out to you guys um but love to you all and thank you father for the word in fact i'll just will you pray adam you pray you come and pray you come and pray thank you thanks paul that's great um don't know about you but pretty much read my mail um, so yeah, just thank you so much in terms of, you know, sleeping, statements, taking up arms, not literally, but perhaps mentally, uh, mourning, lamenting, forsaking. Yeah, I, because uh, the key thing is when, when you hear something like that, it can speak to you and it can resonate and you can go, oh yeah, that's me. Oh yeah, that's me. But if you don't do the instruction at the end, all it does is enlighten without actually bringing the healing that's possible. And that's where most people get stuck. Most people go to church every week and they say, amen, 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 or whatever they say it, okay? But they don't actually do the little bit at the end that means they're transformed. That's why most people, I heard a stat the other week that something like 50% of people go to church and say they don't ever experience God there. I don't know what they're looking for, probably because a lot of the time we've made church this experience. But anyways, but actually, when you do, 
those things, that's when you get. And this is what I wrote down, it's so important, we don't just bring it to him, but we invite him into it. Those are two different things. Most people don't do them both. You might have learned to bring it to him, you might have learned to journal, you might have learned to write it down, you might have learned to pray, and that's great, that's the first step. If you don't do that yet, that's what we've got to do. But then, you have to invite him into it. So listen, you might need, you might have written those things down, okay? If you've not, you might have watched it again. You might need to come down tonight and use the space we've got tonight to just write it all down to write down the ways you have felt sleepy, the statements of good intent, the, the ways that mentally you just want to take up arms and smack somebody, uh, either more, whatever it might be. But then we've got to do it. So let's just pray together now. Okay, Father, I want to thank you for Paul. I want to thank you, Father, for his ability to just put his finger on what life is like, to take scriptures that are 2,000 years old and just show us how it really works for us today. And Lord, we thank you for that illumination. We thank you for that light. But Lord, right now as well, uh, we just bring, Father, the pain, the hurt, the grief, the anger, the frustration, the loss, Father, we bring it to you. And we thank you that you have already borne it. We do not need to sit in it. We don't need to keep talking about it. Instead, we choose to bring it to you in the name of Jesus. And we offer it to you as our sacrifice this morning. We are sacrificing what we do not want and giving it to you. And then, Lord, we invite you in. We invite you into the memories, into the pain, into the frustration, into the anger. We invite you into it in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that your peace, your love, your joy, your grace flows into those places in the name of Jesus. Amen.